Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Well, that was an insane Inferno match. Sorry, I misspoke. An insane Firefly Inferno match. Inferno Firefly match. Fireferno fly match. Between Randy Orton and The Fiend Bray Wyatt. It was the main event in the end of last night's TLC pay-per-view. I think that was the right idea, because how do you top someone murdering a guy? The table spots and ladder spots don't seem as impactful after that. I'm Mr. Davis. I'm here with Lukewarm Luke Owen, and we are reviewing last night's last, the last pay-per-view of 2020. And just to give a little quick overall impression of the show, pretty damn good. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. I had a blast watching this show. I had a really fun time watching it with uh, you and El Fakador last night. I really, really had a fun time. There he is. There's the championship. Well done on your retention, by the way. Um, I know a lot of people think there were screwy circumstances, but we can get into that later on because I'm sure there will be a fair few ultra chats about it. Uh, I had a, a bunch of tweets from people yesterday, uh, talking about, but we'll get on to that later. I thought it was a really fun show. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, TLC. For me, four of the six matches delivered, and in some cases, I would say massively over-delivered. Yeah, in some cases, they had high expectations and were even better. I would say that both the TLC matches oh, so uh, and the tag match. Or in one case, I had massively low expectations for, and they submitted over the top of that loads and that's Sasha Banks versus Carmella but uh, let's talk about this Inferno match first because that is the huge talking point coming out of a very newsworthy show we had Charlotte's return, we had a failed Money in the Bank cash-in from Miz we had a Raw tag team title change but understandably, the thing everyone is talking about, and surprisingly to me, very glowingly is that Randy Orton killed a guy yeah, everyone like loves the Inferno match, the Firefly Inferno match, which, as it turns out, was just a, a regular Inferno match, sort of in a way because I didn't like the ring wasn't quite surrounded by fire and sort of mm. like an Inferno match style. It was there was just fire around the Thunderdome, which allowed Bray Wyatt to like set you know the strap on fire and the and the chair on fire and whatnot. But yeah, like I, I went on to Twitter after the show, and that's all anyone was talking about. With like this was, and it's people that don't. I don't usually see talking about uh, wrestling. You know, John Squires of Bloody Disgusting, he's a wrestling fan, but he doesn't always tweet after a show. But that's like, but he was like tweeting about being like, you know, that was uh, an incredible finish to this as a horror fan. That is a horror visual that is really appealing to me. And you know, uh, Tom Beasley was, was saying something similar. Um, Queen Hannah tweeted out that like her kids who watched the show had no interest in anything else on the show. 
they were just pretty much bored by the entire show but were enamored and like were enraptured by the firefly funhouse like the the, the firefly inferno match because it was like it's so cool right and you got to think if those kids remain wrestling fans in 20 years time they'll be like oh do you remember when randy orton and the fiend had that inferno match and like randy orton set him on fire afterwards when i was a kid that traumatized me and that's a cool thing right yeah i mean first off strap on fire title of your uh sex tape but the yeah i'd look so a few people already pointed out in the comments uh and, and i said it in my review earlier that went up that i i wasn't blown away by it and i you know i found it lumbering i thought it went on too long i thought it was clunky uh if you don't know already it was actually a mixture we thought it was all pre-taped but apparently it was a mixture of done live and pre-tape spots so oh, stuff really? like the, the where the fiends set up randy orton on the rocking chair and had a trail of gas gasoline and then lit the gasoline and, and randy orton just got out of the way in time and the chair should have exploded you know if you're gonna pre-tape it whack some cgi put some ar on that mother and have a at huge the end, explosion at the end of at the end of Die Hard 2 which I actually yeah. referenced in there, like, so the trailer that's just like a big massive explosion but the yeah and so they'd have those bits and then they'd also have the bits happening live apparently the way you can tell is that the fiend is wearing contact lenses in some of them and not in others we oh, guys. pick up on that so it's quite come sick. on continuity <laughs> where's the editor but but I didn't I didn't hate it yeah I I just think you know, I, it's just not for me. I love the Fiend character. And I've been thinking about this all day because it's hard giving your immediate reactions on the stream. And then even the next day when you've kind of slept on it. I mean, I've had like three, four hours sleep. But the I, I'm, I'm, I didn't find it cool. Like I watched the Fiend's debut match, the Firefly Funhouse, you know, all that stuff. I find incredibly cool and I love it. This one... I got, and you know, I've, I've said before, I've genuinely gone out of my way to show that stuff, show the Fiend's entrance, show those Firefly Funhouse segments, show the way Alexa Bliss interacts with him. That first match with Finn Balor, I've shown those matches to non-wrestling fans because I think it transcends that. But this, and I was never into the Undertaker, I've always been a fan of MMA American Badass Undertaker. I've got no time for the supernatural nonsense. The electric purple lightning bolts hitting the turnbuckles. That's not for me. And this falls into that category. Uh, just to recap, because we haven't actually said what happened. Randy Orton pushes the Fiend into the barricade where there's flames. The Fiend catches on fire. And I, this, this was awesome. I really like this bit because, you know, it's kind of... It fits within the world. And they get inside. Bray Wyatt's still on fire, still has his back on fire. And Randy Orton RKO's him. So the, 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 the sort of rules of the match were you win when you set the other person on fire. So Randy's already won by this point. And we, we, we both said that's a cool visual. That is really cool. Really cool. But then the stuff afterwards, WWE just... They can't help themselves. It's it, I don't see what separates this to Rey Mysterio's eye being forked out uh, back at Extreme Rules. Uh, Randy Orton pours gasoline over the Fiend, lights the match, and burns the Fiend's very, very obviously fake carcass. And then WWE.com posted up an article to be like, well, what next for Randy Orton and the Fiend? Will the Fiend get a measure of revenge? I'm like, mate, he's dead. You literally killed him. Like you set him on fire. And that's, and I think that's part of the reason why I wasn't. All... So I'm in two minds on it because yeah, like you say, some of the visuals were really cool. Like the Fiend on fire, get it sliding back into the ring into that arcade mm -hmm. was really cool. I thought Rand it made Randy Orton look awesome. And I kind of enjoyed like the goofy spots of like the trail of fire leading up to the rocking chair and like the leather strap on fire. Tyler, yeah, I know you already done it. Um, I thought there was some really cool stuff in there. And actually the visual of Randy Orton standing above this burning carcass of the Fiend you know, taking away how crap it looked um, and sort of how obviously fake it looked. It was a cool visual. Like, that's a really cool thing. As a wrestling fan, I'm kind of, you know, I'm into some of that, that sort of more goofy stuff. It was better than Eye for an Eye. I will certainly say mm -hmm. it actually was less fake looking than Eye for an Eye. So that's, you know, that's a plus point. But 
I think where I come down on this and not overly enjoying it as much as I thought I would do, or as much as perhaps some other people have, is because it feels like, to pardon the pun, it was a hotshot decision. So this whole feud has been built around Alexa Bliss and Alexa Bliss being the weakness of The Fiend, right? And then for the last couple of weeks, Bliss hasn't been there. And it's now been about, and then like all of a sudden Raw is like, and now it's about fire. Now it's about setting him on fire. And they didn't even announce that it was an Inferno match on Raw. They announced it like three days later. They announced it after we'd done the, the predictions video. And that was on a Wednesday. So it's like Thursday, Friday time. They're all, they're all of a sudden, they're like, by the way, it's now an Inferno match. For me, if you want to make this feel like exciting and something that people want to talk about, which is why they did it, give us some, like build it. Announce that four weeks ahead of time. It's like in four weeks time, you're going to have an Inferno match on baby. Someone is going to get set on fire. Then you can spend those four weeks building that, building that anticipation, building up that, oh my God, someone is going to get set on fire, which they did, you know, for eye for an eye. But like eye for an eye is silly because, I mean, you can't legit take someone's eye out, but you can quite easily set someone on fire in a very safe way. They do it in horror movies all the time. And that's kind of where I, I come down on this. The reason why I don't think I was massively enamored with this is because I'd had no time to get excited about an Inferno match because it was three days where it could have been four weeks in a really awesome story. Yeah, it's, I think we'll be saying the exact same thing about Charlotte Flair's return because that is a whole story based around Lana and Nia Jax. And it became, here's Charlotte Flair, everyone. It's just sort of her whole gimmick, you know, here's Charlotte Flair. It's about her now. Um, on the, going back to the the horror movie thing, because I, you know, I like horror movies, but I'm not an aficionado. That's kind of your bag. You've got a horror movie tattoo on your arm. Sure and a lot of the people you mentioned on Twitter are the horror movie aficionados. And a lot of people I've seen be very positive about this. Do so in a sort of gleeful, yes, I'm getting to see the thing I love in horror actually play out in wrestling. Like, and maybe that's similar to how I felt in Lucha Underground when I first started to see kind of superhero stuff and horror stuff be be done there. Um, but yeah, it just didn't work for me. What? But for you, as someone who's very into that genre, how do you take it in that respect? Well, as I said, like I thought it was it was a cool visual, but like in horror, I I, I like those spots to mean something. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Jason getting set on fire in uh, part seven is this awesome visual because like, it, you know, it sort of burns the house down and the bloody house explodes. And it's meant to be like, oh, well, finally, like that's going to, oh my God, it didn't actually kill him. What an insane thing. But this was just, oh, uh, crap, ratings are down. Oh, crap, our uh, networks are really unhappy with this. Oh, crap, our investors are unhappy with this. Oh, crap, no one's watching the product anymore. Set someone on fire. And like, and that, so the horror fan of me you know thought it was a cool visual and it's and i kind of i dig goofy wrestling sometimes I, i've said on this podcast many times i i think i'm the only person in the world that enjoyed the house of horrors match because <laughs> it was so silly it was one of the silliest things ever but i really enjoyed it because it was silly so yeah i i, I from that that respect i can I enjoyed it but as a wrestling fan and then you see, you know, WW.com being like, hey, both of them will be on Raw tonight. Well, mm. what's the point then? So, you know, it's Alistair Black being thrown off the roof. What was the point? Because he just came back. There was why I'm breaking news, actually. Louis just talking to me in my earpiece. There was a smaller fiend just <laughs> underneath the fiend that got burned. He's okay. Don't worry, everybody. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know why this, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, nope. huh? Just, mm, just mad to me. I, I, it's an inconsistent opinion because I let the Firefly Funhouse is one of my favorite matches of the year. I've loved a lot of uh, silly cinematic things. I love the Boner Yard match with Undertaker, AJ Styles. That was far more goofy than anything happened here. Maybe it's because it took place within the realms of a cinematic presentation and this was done in the ring in the same place as all the other stuff on the show. I like the swamp match as well. There's another one. So maybe that's the reason. I sorry folks, I don't don't have an answer for why I'm so uh so inconsistent. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzlemania, brought to you by Parts Funknown, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Funknown's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. But shall we see what you all thought in the... Hyper chats, ultra chats, <laughs> wrestletalk.com forward slash support. Please go over there and uh, get your ultra chats in. We will read out every single one of them before the end of the show and we can work out what our thoughts are on the main event. Jobber JJ496. Yeah. Hmm? yeah, please do tell us if we're wrong. Like, I would really like people to get in touch to be like, guys, come on. Like, and here is why this was great. Because like I'm I'm totally open to the fact that I, uh, that I'm slightly wrong on this. If if you want that, Luke, go over to my review video. <laughs> <Comment section. laughs> oh, I mean, I did watch your review, but I I did I did dare scroll down when I saw that you didn't like. It, I was like, oh, I'm not scrolling down to read these comments. I didn't even I didn't even bury it that much. I just said, eh, not for me. And it was an obviously fake corpse. I d- I, d- I don't know how you can argue that. It was, it was so obviously not a person, or and like people might be like, "What? Well, well, what do you want? Do you want them to set the fiend actually on fire like that?" I'm like, no, I want them to do it if it's going to look crap. Uh, Jobber JJ four nine six. Hello, lads and Mister Davis. I knew you could do it. Jam, jam. A total squash match like Goldberg fiend. The symbolism of WWE's twenty twenty is burning pile of crap. Uh, fiend showing his TNA for life. No matter how hard you try, you just can't kill it. Uh, Alexa Bliss revives him with magic. Well, so that's one way around it. I mean, I, I think there's, there could be an interesting character thing for Bray here. If you know, if Randy has killed the Fiend, if Randy hasn't managed to sort of stop the Fiend, what what does that mean for Bray? Why is Psyche then? Although I think WWE themselves told us that they are the same person recently, though, right? Mm. Yes, I I don't know. Maybe that's another thing where that there are possibilities that this match, you know, this feud and story gets good, but I just have no faith in the company to to do that. Or 
even if they do do it, follow through with it. Uh, I mean, so the start of the start of this feud was setting like the the man was being set on fire was the start of the feud. Mm, yeah, where do you go from here? Uh, Moin Kanib. While the Fiend versus Autumn finish was a bit much, I do appreciate WWE doing something different. I can't remember the last time I looked forward to watching Raw, so if it's created that curiosity, I guess it's a good thing. What do you guys think? That's bang on the banana, to be honest, there, because like <laughs> WWE, uh, the, 2020 has been WWE throwing things at the wall and hoping something will stick, whether that is eye for an eye, whether that's climb the corporate ladder, whether that's Raw Underground, whether that's Retribution. They... The, the COVID era, unfortunately, has meant that a lot of wrestling fans checked out. So they've got to try and do something to bring people back in. And this is just another thing that they're trying to get people talking about it. And you know what? Credit to them. People were talking about it. That's all I've seen people talk about on social media. So you've got to give them the thumbs up for that. They got people talking. Yeah, I, it's whether it translates into people sticking around. Like, are they That's just going to tune in to be like, well, this is weird. And then, mm. like, completely switch off, or are they they genuinely interested in what happens? And you know, I don't know how a lot of kids are taking this. Maybe to them, this is the equivalent of uh, Jake the Snake's snake biting Macho Man on the arm, which is you know mm -hmm. one of those images that's burned into my head as a child. But you know, that was a lot more realistic because it was it was real. They actually bit his arm. Um, so a lot of people are pointing this out as well. Bray Wyatt has tweeted out a picture. Of a cocoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, a butterfly coming out of that cocoon. Mm. So, well, that would imply some level of metamorphosis on his gimmick's part to transform into something new, something beautiful. I don't know. I, I guess so. Or maybe a younger version of himself, It's if it's like the movie Cocoon. Uh, Anthony David Brewer. Hello, lads. I just wanted to say I enjoyed the show as well. Also, Ollie, your comparison of Strowman's headbutt to Orton's murder of Bray Wyatt gave me a laugh. Have a wonderful day, fellas. Cheers. Yeah, that, that is an incredible level of inconsistency there, isn't there? Hmm. But, you know, in fairness, though, Bray Wyatt is not a WWE official like Adam Pearce. So that's why you don't get fined or suspended. And maybe it's on the company for booking a match where the aim is to literally burn someone and set them on fire. Tim Arndt, as someone who's been on the outskirts of wrestling since May, that image of The Fiend was intriguing, but not enough to make me come back as a full-time fan. I wasn't having fun when I was a full-time fan, and this doesn't fill me with confidence. Yeah, I, I talked about a friend of mine who's recently got back into wrestling, um, and via um, AEW and all the stuff that Kenny Omega's doing with Impact, and I, they've been sort of enjoying that show. I, I did speak to them again today, and because they they messaged me being like, oh, I saw that fiend thing and I want to go see your guys' reaction to it. I've never seen three men more subdued about a man being set on fire, which I think is direct quote about it. But like the the difference in their tone as opposed to say the tone that they that they had about Kenny and AEW and Impact is very different. Like one of those is like, oh man, I can't wait to see it. And the other one was like, well, this is this is mildly curious, but I don't know if they're gonna watch Raw tonight. Hmm. Uh, Scott Young, I loved the ending, but not for the reason they wanted to. I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen in wrestling in a while. It's quite the way to, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. We set a guy on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brett J. Rasmussen, I was looking forward to the Firefly Inferno match because I thought it was going to be more akin to the Firefly Funhouse matches from Mania. More about the breakdown of Orton's character and then someone is put on fire. But it wasn't. And it was just okay. Yeah, you said during the stream that you wished it was just a straight cinematic match. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, the Fiend doesn't have good matches in the ring. Randy Orton, generally, doesn't have good matches in the ring. Like, but not, not, not good, not interesting, not dramatic. And yeah, I found like, I found all the walking around and various bits setting it on fire. I didn't, it didn't grab me at all. Uh, mm -hmm. But if they were able, because they're both terrific actors, if they're both to do dialogue against each other, stuff like that, I think it'd been a lot more interesting. Uh, Hope Fiend is dead. Okay. Says this was worse than the eye for an eye. And Bray Wyatt laid in the ring for like 20 minutes waiting for Randy to light him on fire. It's just Helena Cell all over again, except at least Bray got up and got revenge at Helena Cell. 
Oof, I think it's worse than Hell in a Cell. I think Hell in a Cell is way more damaging yeah. to the Fiend character than this was. One, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're, you're getting to. And I do think it was, no, I think, I think Eye for an Eye was worse than this as well. Of the three, it's the best of the three. Um, yeah, I think Eye for an Eye was worse. Just, you did miss uh, Marquise 15. Oh, um, sorry, Marquise 15. What do you think is next for the Fiend? I doubt this is the last we see of him. According to WWE.com, he's on Raw tonight. So, you know, he will find out then. At least we'll find out from Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that that gimmick doesn't come back for a while and maybe Bray's happy that the Fiend is... He's been cured of the Fiend. Mm. And But I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll be back imminently. Uh, we'll just do a few more on this subject and we'll get into the full play-by-play -play review. Tengu Ray, I genuinely love the Firefly Inferno match in my top five matches of the year. I know it wasn't for everyone, so my question for you both, what unpopular or divisive matches do you love? Well, um, uh, <laughs> House of Horrors match. That was the match that I, I genuinely loved for all the wrong reasons. Uh, ooh, I'm just so in tune with the mainstream opinion. I I don't know. <laughs> to, off the top of my head, I preferred the Hell in a Cell Roman J than the Clash one, but I thought they're both mm. brilliant. That's not a particularly hot take, pun intended. SMB. Hey, probably don't remember it, but I called the Autumn Fiend match being an Inferno match before Survivor Series. Also, have you seen Bray put a tweet out of a dark cocoon saying, thank you, full circle emoji, either coming back stronger or completely done? I mean, I, I, they've got to think they're going to do a rematch between these two. Like, I mean, the, they, they are saying that there is more to this feud. Like, this feud must continue. So, yeah, so there'll, there'll definitely be more of this stuff. And finally, for now, Jonathan Hedman. I didn't like the Burning Man spot. It's too ridiculous. I compare it to that time The Undertaker ascended to heaven at Royal Rumble 94. I mean, how can any stakes be higher after this? Well, I hope it builds to a straight wrestling match. Like that's that, that's the uh, the outcome of this. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I imagine the the stakes higher is Randy Orton stepping inside Firefly Funhouse. I guess is like you know that's the that'd be quite an ultimate goal to get to. Uh, I mean, I saw some people on Twitter yesterday that called this art it was just like this was like two artists making brilliant art. Well, you know, we've all got our own opinions on this, and I think the one definite thing to take away from it is to recognize. But it's not for everyone, but it is for it is for people as well. Oh yeah. It's totally. divisive. So yeah. I'm not gonna if if you loved it, all the power to you. I hope you offer anyone who didn't like it the same respect. So this actual show itself uh, kicked off on the pre-show with an eight-man tag of Daniel Bryan, Otis, Chad Gable and Big E versus Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin. Yeah, Baron Corbin and his lads um, at ringside, but then obviously and Baron Corbin and the other lads as well, they're all the heels. This was really built around Big E and Sami Zayn because Big E is going to be challenging Zayn for the IC title this coming Friday on SmackDown. This was fun house show stuff. I, you know, it was, it was it was a good lark. Yeah, yeah, Big E won eventually. Sami Zayn sort of got lost, uh, left in the lurch by his, his so-called tag mates. And yeah, Big E won, I guess, that well, they've already announced that actually on SmackDown this Friday we're going to get a an intercontinental title match between him and Sammy's Biggie and Sammy Zayn, mm -hmm. which I think is going to be really fun. I don't know if they're going to put the title on Biggie because I think they've really got something with Zayn as champion, particularly now he's got the T-shirts. But uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they did do a title switch to end out the year. But I'd really like to see Sammy retain. The show is on Christmas Day. Surely, surely, surely it's got to be a change. Surely I, it's got to be a title change. I mean, I think we'll know in advance as well because it's a it's a pre-taped show, I imagine. Yeah, so, someone will leak it out. Yeah, I've actually I actually forgot it's Christmas this Friday. That's mm -hmm. nuts. Um, right. So the the main show kicked off with AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre in the TLC match, and heading into the pay per view, loads of reports about the Miz cashing in. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. But he didn't do it in the way where he waits for someone to win and then he takes them out. He cashed it in when he thought 
he could win the actual match. So the match became a three-way. Yeah, and we actually thought this was, I think it was El Fagador that called this at the start of the match as a way mm. because Drew, I could, you know, Miz turns into a three-way. He can take the title down. Drew doesn't actually get pinned. He doesn't lose the belt. The belt was stolen from him. And it's a way to get the belt off of Drew. It's a way for Miz to cash in. Drew doesn't lose anything. AJ doesn't lose anything either. And lo and behold, that's what did happen. But Drew retained. I loved this match. I thought it was so, so good. I actually thought that Drew and AJ did some amazing work anyway. Sort of in the early goings, like the calf crusher through the ladder was awesome. There were so many really cool and inventive spots, lots of teasers of the tables. And the Miz cashing in, I've not been high on the Miz as Money in the Bank. I think, in fact, I think it has been one of the worst things of, of 2020 in WWE. But it did lead to a heck of a dramatic finale. Like the final third of this match was so tense because I didn't want to see Miz as champion because that would be dreadfully terrible. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see Drew retain because I bloody love Drew. So I, I loved it. Absolutely. It suckered me in. And this was really, really great storytelling. And I'm so glad that they ignored all of the AJ is a goofy bastard stuff. Yeah, I guess. That, yeah, that, that's the story of this pay-per-view. For most of the matches, not for Roman, Kevin Owens, uh, but it was mostly all the build, which was a bit rubbish. Yeah, just forget about that. We're going to have a really good match as a self-contained, yeah. isolated bit of art. That's art. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was really good. I echo everything you said. And WWE disappoint their fans so much. You know, back when Roman was a baby face or John Cena, they're pushing all the time to win. And, you know, like, but they can use it to incredible effect. You know, like the threat of WWE's own bad booking is, it's, is itself quite a genius thing to deploy. Just like when you put Roman Reigns as the last two in the Royal Rumble. I think everyone's like, all oh, right, here we go. It's Reigns. So you, you kind of get more invested in it because you're not just against Reigns. You're against the company and the concept of bad creative. And that's what, like, Miz, that's what he symbolized here. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, really dramatic end to the match. Um, we we both thought AJ was hurt, but he seems to be okay. Yeah, because he was selling his lower back, and he's got a history of, uh, of lower back problems. You know, there was a period of time where we thought that AJ may retire because he was really struggling to walk the back when he was in New Japan until he started doing DDP yoga. Um, are you all right? I've just remembered <sighs> my 10 biggest WWE rumors for next year is Miz cashes in the money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> so peeling back the curtain somewhat here, folks, we've obviously got a lot of list videos going out over the next couple of weeks uh, for the festive periods. And one of those lists is 10 rumors for WWE in 2021. And apparently one of those entries, Mr. Davis just revealed then, is that Miz is going to cash in when, oh, mate, that's that's going to come out the list, isn't it? Get in a nine. It's going to be a nine <laughs> entry list. Bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, no worries. Um, yeah, so overall, double tick. Drew retains. And, you know, we. I think we all genuinely feared that he was going to lose this belt. Uh, yep. So that was great. And Miz no longer has the briefcase. So hopefully Miz and Morrison can get away from the main event scene. They've been completely ineffective and obnoxiously annoying on TV. So yeah, let's see what happens there. Uh, now, before we do move on from that, I do want to ask your thoughts on Money in the Bank because, uh, I mean, the uh, outside of the Inferno match, the majority of the comments that I've seen about this is WWE's handling of Money in the Bank and how it used to be there to create new stars, about how it was there to sort of push new talent. And like since then, I think it's like five of the last six have unsuccessfully cashed in. It's not had a great track record. It's not had a great run since Seth had it. And that was what, 2013 we worked. That was seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I think they just their, their ability to tell long-term stories or create long-term plans is completely, completely disintegrated. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's good this year or ne next year, rather, 2021. Speaking of good, though, Carmella's great. Sasha Banks is great. And these two had a, a, a very, very good match. Yeah, this was one of the matches that I, I said, uh, for me, over-delivered because we've already seen the match once. 
Um, I think that there is some like I'm not massively into Reginald the sommelier as a as a as a manager on the outside. But man, Carmella was so great in this match. And she is like the perfect person for Vince's big Vince's big creative plan that he's had for the last 10 years is that hot blonde is going to be hot blonde. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work with uh, Emma. It did not work with um, Eva Marie, even though she was a redhead. Did not work with Liv Morgan. It's finally stuck with Carmella. And it's a and she's the perfect person for it. And I thought she's really, really great in this role. Sasha Banks is an awesome baby face. My only negative I have about this is the inconsistency of the rules because Reginald the Sommelier interfered so many times, like stopped the match at several occasions. And the referee just looked at him and was like, hey now, lad, if you could stop, that'd be lovely. Whereas like it's cool for the DQ. Like it made the referee look like an absolute imbecile. Yeah, I I agree. I also think Reginald should be doing something wine-based on the outside. But I don't know if they know what a sommelier is. I because they had, they had him on TV bringing out food. I was like, well, that's not what a sommelier does. Have him on commentary saying, well, the perfect accompaniment for, for this move would be a 2016 Shiraz. So my theory on this is they do, they want him to be a manager, but they don't. Vince hates the term manager, so they've just called him a sommelier, and that, he's not actually a sommelier. They just called him that because it's they don't have, so they can't call him a manager. Stylist. That would they've be done bad. stylist, done that with Rico. You've got to come up, with, got to come up with something new, mate. Well, anyway, yeah, that Reginald was all the stuff with Reginald was annoying um, and didn't make sense, but that Sasha Banks is amazing. Carmella, like, I thought she really came off like a star here. Like, this act has has chipped away at the souls of everyone who's been given it before her. But with her, it's just, like, enhanced her. It's, it's made her feel like more of a star. I guess the... And they had this great submission battle back and forth near the end. Some really good near falls. I was so into this match. I guess the... The question mark is what next for Mella? Because Banks eventually makes her tap. That's two failed attempts at the title for Carmella. I I don't want to see her go for it again because we've seen it so much in a short space of time. But it'll be nice to give us some momentum as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we get this match again on Friday on the Christmas yeah. Day episode. Like, what's next for Mella? Going after Sasha Banks for the title again, I would probably wager. Um, yeah, but I, for me, for my money, this is the best Carmella match I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. I probably agree. I, nothing's springing to mind. So, all the all the credit to her to come yeah, back yeah. after Absolutely. a long time out as well. Yeah. Uh, then we got Billy Kay trying to be Asuka's partner backstage. Asuka. This was rubbish. Um, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, the Hurt Business, then took on Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods in a just... No, this was just as good as their really, really good Raw matches. Some amazing feats of strength and athleticism in there, particularly from Shelton. But the Hurt Business won! Yeah, this I loved this finish so, so much because the story they're telling with the Hurt Business, and it's such a simple, brilliant story that they are not over-egging is that Cedric is getting too big for his own boots. He joined the Hurt Business because he wanted to get wins, and now he's getting wins. And sometimes he's getting wins as part of a team, but he thinks he's kind of doing it on his own. And the vets of this team, MVP, Shelton, Bobby, and you know, they're all looking at him being like, all right, kid, you know, he's scrappy-do. Like, that's, his, that's sort of his role within this group. And the end of this is Shelton has the match, like, set up to win. He's already kind of got it laid up to win. And Cedric tags in and wins it instead. So if you're Shelton Benjamin, you're like, well, that's cool because we're the tag champs. But at the same time, you're like, all right, kid, you need to let's just pump the brakes a little bit. You've got to know when to be a team and when to be an individual. I, and Cedric is doing such a great job of selling this. And the rest of the boys are selling it so well. I'm. This might be my favorite story on Raw at the moment. Yeah, I think I agree. And yeah, you've got a, a faction of veterans there. MVP, Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin. And then you got Cedric Alexander, who's just, yeah, he's he's not intentionally disrespecting his elders, no. but he is. Yeah, he's excitable. He's excited. He's getting the wins. And he's and he's and he's excited about that. What I loved as well is we've seen this finish so many times. Well, not this finish, but this spot so many times this year because WWE is sort of almost what's the word? Pat pathologically? 
<laughs> broken up every single wrestling tag team they have. And this this bit where Cedric blind tags himself in, he's going to, no, I can do this. I will finish this for us. Don't worry. That sort of cocky arrogance typically, well, not just typically, 100% of the time backfires on the person who thought they could win it for themselves. And then that fuels yet another team breaking up. But it, yeah, he won it. So it's really cool. And I just, I just hope that this storyline carries on for months because the Hurt Business have had an incredible year. Like it feels like they've been around forever in the best possible way. But this is just like a six, seven months old came about after a few different weird iterations of MVP managing people. What a happy accident. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm I'm loving this group. Um, and it's nice to see them draped in gold as well. Uh, so I guess, like, do they just continue feuding with New Day though? Because there are no other teams for them to feud with on Raw. Like they they those are their only two tag teams, with the exception of Miz and Morrison. Retribution. Oh, but we've already seen the Hurt Business beat Retribution. They got rid of Retribution, remember? This is their reward for getting rid of Retribution was a tag title shot. Ricochet and Dana Brooke. <laughs> well, that now that is a match I'd like to see. Uh, but yeah, very, very good. And then Lashley comes out and celebrates with them as well. Brian Alvarez did point out they're not draped in gold. It's actually mostly silver. <laughs> because of the title designs. <laughs> they are ugly belts though, aren't they? Like so I, I, Alvarez. <laughs> Those uh, those red tag titles, the blue ones might be worse, but those red tag titles might be the worst titles in WWE history. And I am including the Divas Championship and the 24-7 title and all of that. They're so hideous. Uh, we got the Royal Rumble confirmed for the 31st of January. From my memory, I, I seem to remember WrestleVotes tweeting that WWE were looking at the second to last weekend and the last weekend, depending on whether they can have fans back. And it's something that they're going to decide very late in the year so you know this 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 hints to me that there's going to be fans in the arena i think they've left it as the latest possible date they can do as a way to try and get to make sure they can get fans in there i think they're doing everything that they can to have fans there for that show because the, if the royal rumble will be so weird with like with yeah. piped in noise or oh, it'll be very weird to watch um, Sami Zayn did an angle with Kayla Braxton. They're doing the sort of Tom Cruise leaked audio thing where he had a rant recently on the set of Mission Impossible 92, I think it is. And Sami did a similar one after his Sami Awards. And he's trying to find out from Kayla Braxton who leaked the audio. And it's probably Biggie. Although she probably Biggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably Biggie. <laughs> then we got. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their belts against Asuka and the mystery partner, Charlotte Flair. Yeah, so the story here is that Nia Jax has been putting Lana through a table and uh, and beating her up and bullying her. And that built up to Charlotte Flair returning and winning the tag titles. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure how we got from point A to point B there. But the, the point is, Charlotte Flair is back, and now we can put some focus back on the singles, uh, the women's singles title. What is more Charlotte Flair than returning to WWE to immediately win the women's tag belts in a feud she's not even a part of? <laughs> what is more Charlotte Flair than that? I'll tell you what is more Charlotte Flair than that. Charlotte Flair returning to WWE to win the women's tag team title belts as part of a feud she's not a part of to actually set up another title match that she's going to get to win that belt too. Because you better believe me, this is leading directly to Asuka versus Charlotte for the Raw Women's title eventually. Jesus Christ. And I, I said this to you on last night's stream. I don't even think it's going to be at Mania. I think that Charlotte is going to be Asuka before WrestleMania and the big match will be Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship at Mania next year. Like, you know, potentially with fans back in the building as well. I think that is what WWE would love. It's what WWE have wanted to do since Ronda signed, right? Like, they didn't want to do Becky. They had to because she got over. What they wanted to do was Charlotte versus Ronda. So I can see them. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this right from the get-go, that this is all about Charlotte winning the tag titles, and then it's the tag champs that are feuding with each other over a belt. Who really, like, how can they possibly coexist, et cetera, et cetera? And then Charlotte is going to win. 
I, it sucks for Asuka. She is the third wheel in everyone else's storyline. She was the third, like, even in the Banks-Bailey stuff, she was never the focus. The focus was on Banks and Bailey. Now here we are, where she's just inserted herself into this Lana-Nia Jax feud because she's got nothing else to do. And she's just been keeping the belt warm. Like, since she won Money in the Banks and she won the title in May, she's just been keeping the belt warm until Charlotte Flair comes back. And that sucks for Asuka. Yeah, and this it's not just the feud and the story and the title win. This entire match was all about Charlotte. If the you know, the whole structure of the comeback and the hot tag was all Charlotte. The camera work was all on Charlotte, like when they won the belts. It's it's like Charlotte holding up the title and oh yeah, here's Asuka, a double champion now. <laughs> yeah. No one's taught it's all Charlotte won the title on the first night back. Not Asuka's a double champion right now. They cut backstage. Rick Flair's watching on. Um, it's you know everything was to get Charlotte over, and Shayna. It was Shayna Baszler who got pinned at the end. At least she didn't tap, I guess. And it was yeah a lot of play on Nia Jax. Nia Jax was the person who kind of wrote her out all those months ago on TV, and I oh god, I I feel like that's going to be the first feud because. Charlotte was definitely presented as a baby face here. Yeah, 100%. And like they were building this whole thing up to like, oh, it's Charlotte versus Nia. Man, what a dream match that would be if we ever got to see it. Um, if it's, yeah, so if it's not Ronda, then probably Nia, like Charlotte Nia at WrestleMania. Um, I, I, because they're doing a lot to protect Nia at the moment. It is, it's always been Shayna taking these pins. So yeah, that, and, and it is what it is. Like it, 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 I, I'm not, hugely into that feud but i will say this it's great to have charlotte back because you know raw in particular has been lacking in stars since bailey and banks went back to smackdown raw has been lacking stars because they flattened everyone out and like everyone's presented the exact same level so it didn't really i asked how Asuka was able to quote unquote feud uh with selena vega and and quote unquote feud with lana yeah so i think that was that was the most underwhelming thing on the show. I'd m- yeah. more so than the fiend Orton thing, maybe. It just like it's infinitely more depressing. <laughs> the, the next road to WrestleMania with Charlotte dominating everything. But the in the match that I think should should have been the main event, I thought it was absolutely terrific. I thought either of the TLCs could have main evented the show. That would have left a better taste in my mouth. Uh, was Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns? Oh, this match ruled. This match was so, so great. I loved everything about it. I am going to sneeze though, so I will need you to cover for me. <laughs> well, the like how AJ versus Drew had a very psychological structure to it. It was mostly based around working over the body part. Quite slow for the opening 10 minutes, AJ Drew, but it really picked up in the action near the end. Owens and Reigns just went at it from the get-go because Owens was coming off this, you know, he was beaten down a lot throughout a whole episode, really, of SmackDown on the Go Home show. So Owens just runs in, jumps Reigns right away. Jey Uso's out there the entire time. Um, and it's just this, it's just this brilliantly, it's just big move, big move, big move, table spot, table spot, finisher, finisher, stunner, pop-up powerbomb. It, it's a Paul Heyman match. I, I love Paul Heyman matches. This match had such a wonderful, simple story to it. Well, is which was Kevin Owens will not give up. Kevin Owens is not going to quit this match. So Reigns just kept putting him through table after table after table. And then he'd slowly climb up the ladder because, well, I've got this one. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Owens just grabs him by the foot. And Roman could have won anyway. Mm. Like Kevin Owens wasn't stopping him (laughs) climbing the ladder. But this, this mother effer, was showing him such disrespect that he wouldn't stay down that he would just, he just started laughing to himself being like, oh God, this guy, I'm going to have to put him through another table, I guess. This is what you're going to make me do. I'm going to put you through another table then. Uh, Roman was so good in this match. Owens was great in this match. Like everyone was so great. Yeah. And there was a lot of tables. Uh, <laughs> this match will forever hold a special place in my heart. Because if you weren't aware, me and Laurie were, or Fakador were having a TLC match ourselves over the course of the pay-per-view. If someone had a move off a ladder, that would be 20 points to Laurie. He had ladders. I had tables. If someone went through a table, I'd get 10 points. There were five table spots in quick succession on this match. 
and so many people climbing ladders and looking like they were going to do bumps <laughs> off of ladders and then would just gently climb down them. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. But, you know, outside of that, and, you know, that tribulation did add a lot of drama for our live reactions. But, like, I just thought this match was just so wonderfully told. There was a point when you said this match has been going on for 20 minutes and it mm -hmm. did not feel like it had been going on 20 minutes. It breezed by because you were invested in them as characters. And this has had a really well told story over the course of four weeks. It's built from a pay-per-view to a pay-per-view. And that's why I was emotionally invested in the match. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I wasn't as emotionally invested in the Inferno match, because that had three days worth of being like, by the way, Inferno match. This was all about these characters. And oh, man, it was so, so great. So there's, uh, yeah, the, the finish was Owens actually kind of has it won, but Jey Uso, you know, he's interrupting all the time. Uh, Roman did have a massively unfair advantage. But to me, I thought that put over Owens all the more and did not make Roman look weak. One of There's been two criticisms uh, leveled at the TLC matches. One is that Roman Reigns was booked weak. Like, people are sick of him having so much Jey Uso interference now. They kind of want... They, they think it's making him look not as strong. I'm like, what? But I'm not doubting Roman's ability to win. He's just being a dick about it. Do you remember when people kept saying that Roman was being booked too strong? Like, when he was a baby face? <laughs> this, this is... This is perfect booking, I think. I think this this is marvelous. But mm. the other one is is very much founded, I would say. And I, I forgot to mention it in my review earlier. And that is why don't the baby faces have friends? Yeah, I mean there was absolutely no one there to help him. Like, who is Kevin's mate at the moment? But like, you know, it's, I don't know. He's got no friends currently. And she Seamus should have come out to help Drew. Keith Lee should have come out to help Drew with all that Ms. Morrison Omos interference in the opening match. It's it's a massive logic hole. I would say in the in Seamus though, like they have very much set up on Raw that they're not coming out to help each other during these sorts of segments because that's not what they do. Like if you get beaten up, you get beaten up. You just get get back up and then beat someone else up the following day. Like because they're kicking heads and drinking kegs and whatnot. So yeah, I, I I totally get it with Seamus, and I don't like if if Keith Lee had come out, I'd have thought it'd been a bit weird, and like, but I I think it's a testament to how good Roman J and Kevin are in this feud that I wasn't watching that being like, well, where's an where the where's a baby face to help him? I was just like, no, come on, Kevin, you can do this, you you can do this on your own, and he was doing it on his own for quite a while. Yeah, but in the end, he succumbs to Roman Reigns' low blow. Guillotine on the top of the ladder. I love that spot. And Roman retained. And then we got the Fiend Autumn match to cap things off. Uh, overall, like, I gave it four out of four. I think it's a four out of five show, uh, but Twitter only gives you four options. So, yeah, I, I thought this was a great pay-per-view. WWE often over-deliver on those B pay-per-views. Yeah, I completely agree. I really, really enjoyed this. Four out of the six matches more than delivered for me. In some cases, over-delivered. Um, you said on the Raw stream, I wonder what it would take for uh, a Raw show not to get a good rating. Well, we've now got to ask the question, what has a pay-per-view got to do to not get a good rating on Twitter? Because good <laughs> good one out, 47.3% voted for good, 39.1% voting for excellent, with only 77 voting for poor and 59 voting for terrible. Yeah, I think you've always got to look at the the other rate, like the other metrics there, because that was exactly. massively weighted upwards. So, yes. so yeah, thumbs up show, one hundred percent. I liked it. Um, yeah. Let's go through all of our. Ultra chats. Why do I keep trying to say ultra chat? Hyper chats. God damn it. WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. Get the uh, get the thing up again. Where's my oh, name? Hey, sorry. WrestleTalk.com right. forward slash support. Last call for the ultra chats. We will read out every single one of them before the end of the broadcast. First up from Stu. I like the Inferno match. It was different, dramatic, brilliant visuals with the Fiend being on fire. Hopefully the Fiend character isn't dead. Remember how excited we all were when he debuted. Yeah, and then Hell in a Cell happened. Kevin, two options. Bliss uses the heel glove. Ah. Or the fiend is actually Rambling Rabbit and will never die. That would be Matt Hardy, actually. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's he's a horror character, so 
of course it doesn't die. Like, you know, J like Jason was blown up in a house in, in part seven and just walked out fine. Like, they don't die. Chris Diaz. Overall, the show was great. I agree with what you guys have said. Another thing like The Fiend's contacts was the fans on the screens. No emotions to big spots and changed a lot during the cuts between live and taped. Good match, though. Hashtag jam that jam. Jam that jam. Mike Jensen, I see the Inferno match much like the dinner debonair. I loved both, but could see why some people would hate both. Yeah, totally. I, I, we said that at the time as well. I could totally see why people would hate Dibba, Dibba Debonair. Dinner Debonair. Dibba Debonair. Dr. Doom, why does Roman not stand by his decisions? Last time Jay interfered, Roman put the boots to him. This time, Jay interferes more than once, and Roman doesn't put him in his place on the spot. Roman sends more mixed signals than a teenage girl. Roman Reigns is a heel, a conflicted heel. Uh, yeah, I could see that being an inconsistency, but yeah, I, that doesn't jar with me. Uh, Mike Jensen, hello, gents. Hope you are well. Why does KO not have any friends? He couldn't find anyone to help keep Jay out of the match. Thanks for the live stream last night. You're very welcome. As someone pointed out in the stream, Kevin Owens always turns on his tag partner, so of course no one wants to be his friend. That's what Owen said on Talking Smack as well uh, on Friday night. He said, like, no, no one trusts me. Uh, Stu, but I, I don't think that plays. Stu, hopefully KO now stays in the title scene going forward. That match stole the show and proves KO should be showcased more. I, t I tell yeah. you, I'd lo I've loved Steam ever since his Ring of Honor days, and yeah, he should but th this match was really good at getting him over. Yeah, we were saying on the stream last night, but Kevin Owens had a bit of a rocky year because he, he started off this year feuding with Seth Rollins, you know, getting a WrestleMania match, winning twice at WrestleMania to doing nothing, nothing for months on end. His feud with Alistair Black went absolutely nowhere. And then like, finally... It took him going to SmackDown and getting a, like almost a fresh coat of paint to be like, oh yeah, no, cool, Kevin Owens, of course he's a main eventer, of course we could do something with him. So yeah, I'm just glad that he's finally getting that showcase. Uh, do you want a hot tag? Uh, I'll do these next three and you can hot tag mm -hmm. him then. Mike cool. Jensen, again, thank you, Mike. Is it possible since the referee didn't look into the briefcase that Miz cashed in a ham sandwich and Otis still has the contract? That would be just the worst. <clears throat> just the absolute worst. Planet Dan. Scary thought. I can see Miz saying it doesn't count and getting his briefcase back. I mean, yeah, may as well. Do you want it? May, may as well. What, di what difference would it make? I think that's a terrible idea. I don't think it will happen, but I also hope it does so I don't have to re-record my VO. Uh, Brett J. Rasmussen, I am very happy that Drew won, but I am disappointed with the handling of the Money in the Bank briefcase. Otis had it, and they could have made him the biggest babyface by cashing in on Roman with proper booking, but another failed cash-in. Does Money in the Bank matter anymore? I think it sort of does for the women still. You know, like Bailey did some, you know, she had it, and Bliss, and, and Carmella. But uh, yeah, for the men, it's just, it's been a sort of a rocky road. I think they've essentially run out of ideas of what you can do, because there are so many times you can do the the cash in, right? There's only so ways you can do it. And I think they've essentially just run out of ways to do it. I just think they've they've gone bored of their own brilliant stipulation. Uh, on the subject of TLC overall, Eddie Carter says, a great TLC went in with low expectations and I enjoyed it a lot. Granted, it's the best pay-per-view ever, but... Uh, I, I think that's not the best pay-per-view ever, but truly delivered. Uh, also, well done to Mr. Davis. You haven't just made El Fake, but haven't you just made El Fake Door angrier? Merry Christmas to you all. Everything will be Fake Door. Jam that jam. Huh. Well, the only thing that's red around here now is this red. Big red. Stu, great pay-per-view. Only letdown was Charlotte returning into a story that makes no sense. Not even on one of the big five pay-per-views. A Rumble return would have been far more impactful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan Ortiz, Hurt Business and Cedric Storyline reminds me of Nation Domination and The Rock. Kind of, but like Rock was trying to become the leader. I don't think Cedric's trying to lead the Hurt Business. He's just getting a bit too big for his own boots. Uh, Azo Smith, TLC was a fantastic show in my opinion. Kevin Owens was MVP for me and shows that he really should be uh, used more than he is. Most matches over-delivered and good God, that spike Sasha did on the X Factor legit got me. That was an insane sell and I was going through the images for to, to get you know, through the WWE.com galleries for my video earlier today. And yeah, she proper darts herself into the ground. Sasha's the Sasha's incredible. 
She RVD'd it. Um, mm-hmm. WWE chat, Scott Young says, have you seen that Lana was apparently legitimately injured? If that's the case, I completely get why they hot-shotted Charlotte back. I think Charlotte coming back has been the plan all along. Yeah. Ollie coming out of a cocoon says, uh, who do you guys think will be Drew's next challenger? And do you expect a super Christmassy Raw or one with a load of spaghetti throwing uh, changes to boost ratings? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it is Raw tonight, isn't it? And it's the final one before Christmas. So it may just be just just a show. No, I think they'll they'll do something. They're, they're, they're in panic mode. They're not the sort of people to wait until January, are they? Uh, but uh, Drew's next challenger, I think Seamus probably. They're building it already. Planet Dan, Charlotte has a great babyface story if it's booked well. She could say that I want to work my way up and I don't want to be handed opportunities because of my family name. Also, she's doing it for her brother and carrying on his dream. Shame, it's Vince booking. But at the same time, sometimes some people are just better suited to being heels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as that Russell Vote's tweet uh, yesterday said, a lot of the storyline presented for Ms. Cashing in sucked. Creative isn't always bad because of Vince. Sometimes just creative is bad. Tengu Ray, uh, there's a spot in the Firefly Inferno match where he taps the rocking chair on fire when he walks past it. It was small, but it struck me uh, a lot. Has something small in the match stuck with you um, there, uh, stuck with you before? Well, like a small, almost imperceptible detail in a match. I'm sure there is, but nothing's jump into my sleep-deprived mind. There's probably loads in like the Roman J stuff that they've been doing uh, recently. Uh, Planet Dan, do you think there's a chance they're burying Money in the Bank briefcase because of Jericho's in AEW? They've been burying it well before a- Jericho was in AEW, Mike, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I don't um, think case. Jericho invented Money in the Bank, if people aren't aware. Yeah, I would wager they've actually forgotten that. Uh, mm-hmm. Colin Bennett, uh, fake door was screwed. At this point, it's just fun to argue with it. Salty Luke Owen is better than Salty Jack. Look, if I was salty about losing the championship, surely I'd be trying to get it off Davis rather than helping him win. Like, that's not a sensible storyline, is it? We went through the points. Someone tweeted me yesterday being like, he, though, this move was done next to the ladder. Like, surely that should have counted. It was moves off the ladder. And like, they, people said the, the Drew sequence. So Drew took AJ off the ladder. Then they did a series of moves and it ended with AJ's face going into a chair, right? Would you say, well, that was a move off the ladder? No, I wouldn't. I'd say that was a move through a table. <laughs> it was a move through a chair is what it was. Charles Burke. Well, Ollie, I must say, well done. I honestly worried that Fakedor would beat you. I also called that he was supernatural, but I forgot one important thing. He's really dumb. Don't get used uh, to me calling you by this name, but today you are Mr. Davis, the champion. Uh, Tim Hunt says, not sure if I'll be here tomorrow for the stream, but I'll just say Merry Christmas, fellas. Hope you have a good rest of the week and I might see you all in the new year. Thanks, Tim. See you next year, Tom. Tim? Uh, (laughs) Carol says, congrats, Ollie, on becoming the first to retain the championship. You picked the perfect card and would have won without any of the stips added. Want to wish all of the WrestleTalk host and mods and the whole Swap Nation a Merry Christmas. We are family here. We sure are, Carol. It was lovely having you in the chats yesterday. Uh, And thanks for sending over the pictures of you watching the stream. Much appreciated. Um, Brett says, I know uh, you already called them Ultra Chats, but now you have to call them Wrestle Chats, like WrestleTalk wrestle chats love you guys everything will be fake at all it won't be because it's them right here uh yeah we thought about wrestle chats but ultra chats sound cool Mm. and last couple here kyle says hey guys just want to give a shout out to surreal 469 a youtuber and a good friend of mine he just did a great tlc video could you promote his channel by telling people to check it out and subscribe he's a good guy and deserves a break i think we kind of just did so thank you very much kyle for your message thank you to anonymous who donated with no message and Rini says i can't wait for your guys royal rumble reaction i still go back and watch your 2020 rumble reactions for drew eliminating lesnar edge returning and drew winning the rumble god what a fun match that was so so fun yeah well i can retain this then as well and then win the rumble to face myself to retain it at at wrestle jam you're not in the jamble oh i'll get in there somehow i'll get pete in there absolutely not not even you in the bloody jamble match right well send us home then Thank you, everybody, ever so much for joining us here on this live stream and for all your wonderful Ultra Chats. Uh, They really do help support the channel. 
and go over to Wrestle 2 later today. Subscribe there, enable notifications because Alex McCarthy and Louis Dangor will be back talking about all the news coming out of TLC backstage stuff and happenings over the weekend on Wrestling Daily later today. And of course, Luke and I will be back tomorrow with the Raw review. But for now, I've been Mr. Davis, your jam, that champion. That's been Luke Warm. And that was wrestling, Jam That Jam. All the time. Jam That Jam, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 